Welcome to episode 120 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below, and I am grateful that you have chosen to spend this time with me. Whether this is your first, your 120th, or somewhere in between, I hope you hear something in this episode that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, or maybe even change your life. If it sounds like I'm recording this in an empty room, it's because I basically am. (laughs) I'm doing my work from home today, and so this episode is coming to you from a half-empty house that's bare of knickknacks, pictures on the wall, and books on every surface. And clearly, because it sounds like I'm in an empty room, um, all the extra blankies and pieces of clothing and other things that usually soak up the sound. My husband and I have spent the last two weeks cleaning and purging in prep for putting our house on the market. The seller's market here in Tacoma has inspired us to do what we have talked about for years, and that's to downsize and find an apartment or a condo in a more urban setting where we can walk to our offices and nearby parks, and if we're lucky, be able to walk to a grocery store. I'm definitely going to miss our lovely house, but I am excited for the change. And what's been exhausting and wonderful is the process of going through all the stuff that we've accumulated and being really honest about what stays and what goes. The more I choose to give away, recycle, or toss, the freer I feel. I'm less inclined these days to hold on to things because I, quote unquote, might need them down the road. Being around too much stuff is as draining as being around too many people. I'm a happier introvert with a half-empty calendar and a half-empty house. Is that true for you too? It's an invitation that I want to extend to you to take time to take a critical look at your surroundings. If you find yourself not feeling refreshed or relaxed at home, Maybe there's too much stuff competing for your attention. And maybe a couple of hours of merciless purging will bring you countless hours of serenity. It's worth a try anyway. I can only speak for myself, but it's working so far. The conversation you're about to enjoy is focused on another much talked about but not yet manifested dream of mine, which is to be more location independent with my business so that I can travel more. Based on what I hear from clients and colleagues, I know I'm not alone in that dream. But I do have some travel coming up, and I am coming to Chicago in early July for the Podcast Movement Conference. So I've teamed up with my friend and colleague Dave Stahoviak, host of the Coaching for Leaders podcast and past guest on this show, to host an informal meetup on the evening of July 7th in the Windy City. You can find details on Dave's website at coachingforleaders.com slash Chicago. I'll include that information link in the show notes. We'll be meeting at the Bean and go from there. Very informal, and it would be great to meet you in person, whether it's just for a few minutes or you're able to join us for whatever transpires for that evening. And now on with the show. My guest for this episode is Kate Brubaker, founder of Small Planet Studio. I've been familiar with Kate's work for a number of years and have had a number of delightful conversations with her, so I know that you're going to enjoy what we share here. Kate has over 15 years experience in international education as a teacher, intercultural trainer, and program developer. She's originally from Oregon, and Kate lived in Germany for nearly four years and has worked and traveled throughout the U.S., Europe, the Caribbean, and Latin America. 
She is co-authoring a book about K-12 teachers' intercultural experiences in the classroom, and she runs a website for intercultural educators called smallplanetstudio.com. You'll find information on how to connect with Kate, as well as links to her Introvert Island book selections in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I am so glad to be talking with you. And I almost was going to say good morning or good afternoon, but you're not here in the States, so I'm not sure what time it is for you. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, Beth. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, it is 7.30 p.m. where I am, so good Excellent. evening. Yes, and and so mine would be good afternoon. It's 12.32, and I love that there's this – it's so perfect for our topic today that we're talking on uh, in different parts of the planet, um, mm-hmm. literally. So what is making you smile today? What is making me smile today is the fact that I am in Iceland. Ooh. Yes, it's awesome. Is that as exotic as it sounds? <laughs> <laughs> well – you know, it, it. I mean, it seems a lot like other places I've been in Europe, especially in Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. But then when I look out and I see the mountains and it's only 50 degrees and it's the middle of June. Wow. Um, it, it seems different. Yes. And uh, when we were landing, you know, it, it was so flat and then there's um, lo- like volcanic rocks. And so, yeah, there's a really nice, nice mixture of familiarity, and then wild difference. Yeah, nice. And how many times have you been to Iceland before? I've never been here. So it's a first. And may I ask Mm -hmm. what drew you there in particular? I have always wanted to come to Iceland, like since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And I've been to Europe, you know, many, many times, but I had never been able to make it here. And I was just in the Netherlands working with a client. And Mm -hmm. The least expensive flight happened to be on Iceland Air, and so I was able to do a stopover on the way back. Nice, nice. I want to be able to say that someday. Well, I was working with a client in the Netherlands. And- <laughs> I know, it's great. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Well, that's part of what our conversation is going to include, so I look forward to more. Um, so that we give listeners uh, some context for the conversation, I always like to ask my guests about where do you think feel like you fall on the introvert extrovert spectrum Mm -hmm. and how has that awareness influenced your professional path well so every uh test that i've ever taken has always put me right in the middle Mm -hmm. and just slightly like either in the middle Mm -hmm. or just slightly over on the introvert side so technically i'm an ambivert yes and and i feel that that's actually very very accurate Mm -hmm. um the way that that's influenced my professional path is that i've always gravitated to work situations where I have a lot of autonomy and where I can be very Mm self-directed. I really like flexible um, work situations. Mm -hmm. And I really like about 40% of my time, 30 to 40% working with people. Mm -hmm. And I like about 60% um, working alone. I like to really dive really deep into projects. I do a lot of writing and, um, you know, things like that. So I, I really like that, uh, that combination, yeah. a little bit more time to myself. Yes. And so it, it's kind of funny. I actually was drawn to teaching, not because I wanted to teach, but because that, that was a job I could do abroad. Mm. And mm-hmm. so I went abroad to teach and I, you know, I thought, I really like this because I had about, I'd say 40 to 50, maybe 60% of my time was interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked at different language schools. So I could, you know, I was traveling between, so I had some downtime. And then I had a lot of time 
where I was preparing classes and thinking about my work. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I really like this. Mm -hmm. And so I've just kind of replicated that as much as possible. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's interesting how many teachers are actually introverts. Um, You would think that having to be up in front of groups all the time would just be flat out exhausting. But you're reminding us that there's so much behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's where you can find that balance. But you know, when I was, um, I actually was going to be a high school German teacher. And and I trained, I went to grad school to do that. I did my student teaching, and I was absolutely exhausted constantly, (laughs) because I was on Mm -hmm. for six or seven hours a day. Yeah. And, you know, part of it was that I was a a new high school teacher. But um, I remember thinking, I don't think I can do this long term. That if I could teach maybe four classes a day, Mm -hmm. I'd be okay. Mm -hmm. But I could not, I just couldn't imagine teaching six or seven classes and having, I remember at the time, um, they wanted us to have our classrooms open all the time so students could come in. Oh my gosh. Oh. I, I freaked out about that. And I didn't know why. And I wasn't allowed to say no. And, um, you know, I just thought, I need some time to myself before, before classes start and after school. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I liked, so I went to university where I had more, <laughs> more flexibility in my schedule. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's not standing up all day, every day. Um, yes. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I would rebel <laughs> against the open, the open door policy. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's yes. very similar to, I, I immediately pictured like an open office plan yes. where there's, you know, you're constantly sort of on display and, you know, expected um, to interact when, you know, gosh, we, we desperately need that, that alone time. So I'm glad yes, you... F- I do not like open office plans. No. <laughs> well, I'm glad you found your groove <laughs> with the university gig. And, and what I really appreciate about your story is just that, you know, you, you saw something that you loved, and that being teaching, but you realized that um, the model of, you know, how you started out, it was exhausting you. And so you didn't abandon it altogether because I could see somebody saying, I am not cut out for this. You know, I love it, but it's it's too much. Um, you were open to it taking a different form mm-hmm. and that being, you know, just in a different environment. And, yeah. um, and I sense that that probably yeah. gave you some, you know, renewed, renewed energy and um, connection with that. Absolutely. And had somebody asked me to, def- to articulate that at that time, I couldn't have. Yeah. But there was just something in my core Mm -hmm. that um, I let lead me, you know, and and I could just sense this is the right way to go. This is not the right way to go. Yeah. Well, I have a sense that that, that, that's a perfect lead in to my next question, which is about your business Mm -hmm. and um, Small Planet Studio. So I'm I'm guessing there's something in your core that that drew you towards this. But how did you come up with the idea for Small Planet Studio and in particular, your focus on reentry after someone has gone abroad? Well, so a few years ago, I realized that I had really struggled with going home after living abroad. I went abroad for the first time when I was 16. Mm -hmm. And I lived in Germany with a host family, attended school. And when I came home, I, I had a really hard time. But I didn't, re- you know, I didn't receive any support. And um, I didn't know many people who had had that experience. So I just went on and, you know, just tried to muddle through it and um, just kept going abroad. And I just, you know, in, in working in international education for so long, I realized I wasn't the only one who had struggled with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized that. And then I looked around and I thought, we really have very few resources you know, to really help people through the emotional aspects of going home and figuring out, who am I now? Where do I fit in? What do I want to do? Yeah. 
you know, and I, and I realized also that when you go abroad, I mean, it's like any life-changing experience, it affects you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And the few resources that were out there really focused on reverse culture shock. And I thought that that's important, um, but that doesn't really help in the long run. So I started Small Planet Studio and um, have been writing blog posts and, um, you know, providing uh, resources and just, you know, really figuring out, like, what's going to help people through that experience. And uh, it's been, yeah, it's been a really great experience so far. Yeah. Do you, it feels like it's one of those things, like like you articulated before about the teaching, um, you know something is off, but you can't put your finger on yes. it, or you might not have words for it. Do you find that that's true with folks in the re-entry phase of things? Absolutely. Yes. Most people go home and they're very, um, I mean, some people are very happy to go home and, and don't really struggle with that at all. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, they go home and they don't necessarily want to, but they have to. Their program ends or, you know, their mm-hmm. job comes to a conclusion. Something, you know, requires them to go back home. And I, home is in quotes here. Sure. Because yeah. very often it doesn't really feel like home anymore. And, um, you know, once you get home and you've gone through the first couple of weeks of uh, driving your car again and mm-hmm. seeing your friends and family, you, you know, and you go through reverse culture shock and you notice all of the things that are different. And usually people are looking around and they're saying, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that goes away after a little while. And what then happens is you just start to feel like you're in this huge rut. Yeah. And like you said, you just feel off. I feel like that for a really long time. And a lot of people can also look around and they say, okay, I'm so lucky that I got to live in this other country. I got to travel all over the place. I have a great family. I have wonderful friends. You know, I'm, I have enough money. I have all these things. Why am I so miserable? Mm, and they feel yeah. really guilty. Um, it can be challenging because when you tell your friends and family, I don't want to be here anymore, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's not always easy conversation. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> yep. A lot of times, you know, you're questioning things about your home and your country and your family and your friends and yourself. Yeah. And these are really challenging things. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we don't really talk about it. There are some Facebook groups that I've found that are, are really helpful. Mm-hmm. But what I've seen is that, you know, like a lot of times when you're living abroad, you get together and you just are, all start talking about how horrible everything is. And it can be helpful to vent about the experience, mm-hmm. but um, you don't want to get stuck there. Right. Just like you, know, you don't want to get stuck in your workplace or in grad school or if you're living abroad, venting about that situation. It happens in reentry too. And people just start venting and getting stuck and commiserating um, about how horrible it is to be home. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking, you know, there's got to be a different way. There's got to be, regardless of whether somebody wants to stay home for the rest of their lives or whether they want to go abroad again three months from now, there's got to be a better way to process the, the experience of living abroad and coming home. And, and enjoying your time at home for however long that is. Yeah. This might be getting us a little off track, but I, I'm curious about what you noticed of the role of social media when it comes to reentry and adjustment and um, making that transition. Because it seems like just like well, what comes to mind is, let's say I live in Germany for a year and then I come back to Tacoma. 
And of course, I've made a lot of connections in Germany. And now because of the beauty of the internet, I'm able to stay in touch with people in a much more um, active way. It seems like that that would have an impact on your experience. And it could be a healthy thing, or it could be unhealthy. I wonder if you've noticed anything around that. You know, I'm I love that you bring that up because I have been talking with a lot of people about the role of social media in um, in your experience abroad and then coming home because I'm, I'm really fascinated mm-hmm. by that as well. And I'm, I don't have a good answer for it. Mm-hmm. I'm really not quite sure yet how that's affecting everything. And so I, I'm like asking everybody I know as well. Yeah, yeah. But what I think is interesting, I think it's interesting about it is that when we go abroad, we're connected. I mean, I'm abroad right now. I have been, I've had Wi-Fi everywhere, even on the bus. Wow. Going from the airport into Reykjavik, I was online. And so I was texting my mom and I was texting my husband and sending pictures along the way and telling him, oh, I'm getting close to Reykjavik. I'm, I'm driving through a lava field right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we can constantly um, share our experiences while we're traveling. And they're very, these are external experiences, which is nice because people can follow along and, and follow vicariously. It's very different from when I first went abroad and I was abroad and no one had any clue what I was doing or what it was like. Right. And so when you get home, what I've been hearing from people is that people still don't want to hear your stories or see your pictures because they're like, <laughs> oh, I saw it all on Facebook when you posted them. Oh, I don't need yeah. to hear about them again. Yeah. So, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, when you're home, it's an internal experience. What you're going through is internal. Yeah. And it's hard to share that on Facebook. Yes. Yes. And I would think that's especially true for the introvert who is, you know, already prone to processing internally and not necessarily needing to share it with everyone. And so I think that makes your services that much even more powerful and important and necessary um, because it gives people a safe space to say, here, you can express uh, whatever you want um, about what's going on. And, um, and no one is going to judge you for it. They're not going to have an emotional reaction or take it personally. It seems like that would be a really important part of that transition. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm really trying to um, give people the questions, you know, give people questions so they can do some very deep reflecting mm-hmm. on who they are now, what they've learned by being abroad about themselves, their home, their host country, the rest of the world, and, and what they want their global life to be like now. Um, You know, whether they're at home or abroad and what kind of uh, next global adventure they want to have. And that, you know, that that takes a lot of questioning and thinking and some venting. Mm -hmm. And so having that safe space is really important. So I try to provide that and I I try to not be judgmental Mm -hmm. at all. I'm I'm very happy to support people in doing whatever they want to do. I'm all about relaunching Mm -hmm. yourself rather than readjusting. Nice. And relaunching can mean different things to different people. Yeah, great distinction. So I want to segue a little bit into talking about location independent businesses, because this is something I increasingly hear from entrepreneurs that I want to be location independent. And I know I myself fall into that category. Um, I know you have a home base in North Carolina, but you also workcation. And I think I picked that word up from your website um, around the world as you are now. Uh, Can you tell us more about how you do that? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like I've been a part-time nomad and um, location independent almost my whole adult life, Mm. Um, even though I've always had a home base, either in the United States or in Germany. 
And um, a lot of that was because I was in graduate school for a long time or I was teaching. And um, there's only been about three and a half years of my adult life where I had really been anchored in one place and working a full-time job at an office. <laughs> so what I do, and actually now I am fully location independent. Nice. Um, my husband, however, has the opposite job. He is very location dependent. So, um, and we agreed when we met that we would always live in a place where we could both equally have the careers that we wanted. Okay. So right now that means North Carolina. And so, um, and I, and I, you know, I really like where we live. It's beautiful. It's warm. It's sunny. It's great. But I will go crazy if I'm living in one place. Yeah. So what I do is my home base is in North Carolina, but um, I take every opportunity I can to travel. And sometimes that means I go out um, and visit my family in Oregon for a few weeks and I'm working while I'm out there. Um, I have a full office. And then sometimes that means that I'm abroad. Um, I'll go for abroad to a conference or I'll go work with a client um, and then I'll just stay a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a few days. Sometimes it's uh, two or three weeks and I'll rent an Airbnb. So I can, you know, it's kind of like I'm living there for a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do my job from anywhere. Yeah. Nice. Do you find that you um, are actively, I mean, part of this is because of your work that you, you probably are finding conferences and events and other things you want to go to that are global as opposed to, let's just say domestic as in, you know, the United States for us. Do you find that you are intentional about seeking out, like saying, oh, I've never been to Iceland. So I'm going to look to see what might be there that would give me sort of a, a reason to go or a hook to be there. You know, I think I, I look at, I'm thinking about it because I don't think I do actually. Mm, yeah. Uh, when I'm traveling, yes. Like if my husband and I decide uh, to go on a trip somewhere, then yeah, we usually decide, well, we haven't been here before, so let's go there. Mm -hmm. um, but actually even a lot of our vacations we justify them because it's, I'm going to Spain for a conference. So let's meet up after the conference and spend a couple of weeks in Spain. Nice. So usually it's the event. And then I think, Oh good. The event happens to be here. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's usually the event or it's the work. So much of my travel is not necessarily because I just want to go there. Sure. It's because, um, because of the client or because of the conference. And then, um, yeah, yeah. I'll just, you know, I mean, I'm happy to go anywhere, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. How many countries have you been to? Um, I think 36. Excellent. Yeah. And I think there are 139 or 49. Yeah, I've got a lot more to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason I'm aware of that is because I think of Chris Gillibo mm -hmm. and his handle on Instagram, I think is 149 country, you know, 149 countries saying how many countries he's been to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I think wow, I've traveled a lot, you know, and I've been to 36 <laughs> countries. You have. And then one of my colleagues a couple days ago, I heard that's her amazing. say, oh, I've been to like 85 countries. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> wow. I've got so many to go. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've been to like, um, three. <laughs> so I have lots to catch up on. <laughs> oh, well, if you go to Europe, you had a lot very quickly. Yeah, so. exactly. It's probably easy to just like, I'm going to knock out like six countries here in the next couple of days. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? um, well, I want to get to a little bit of nitty gritty um, because it's easy, at least I think, you know, it's easy to romanticize being location independent and taking workcations. But I'm guessing it's not all sweetness and light and ease and sitting on cafe corners and, you know, all of that. 
In your experience and that of your clients, what's been surprising, both on the good side and the not so good side, about being location independent? Yeah. Well, you, know, you always see the pictures of somebody working on the beach with their laptop. Exactly. And <laughs> I, I just, who does that really? You know, I, know, like, I would I never know. take my laptop to the beach, but, um, but that's kind of the idea. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's wonderful. I, I absolutely love it. Um, it's, I mean, it's great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you get to travel and you get to work and it's, it's fantastic. Um, but there are some downsides. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, these downsides are really not that bad. Sure. But there are a few downsides. Um, a few things are that, um, you know, you've got to have internet. And I've been in some places where the internet's not so great. And that can be stressful if you're trying to have, you know, a call with a client or you need to write emails and, you know, you're trying to get your work done. And if you don't have very good internet, that makes it really difficult. Um, if you're not very self-disciplined, <laughs> that can make it really difficult to do your work. <laughs> that would probably be my problem. <laughs> so... Yes, back yes, to the beach. Yes. Well, what I find is that, so I'm traveling and when I'm, um, yeah, I know my, I, know I have a schedule. I kind of have a rhythm now when I, when I do my workations. And, um, but I, I feel some guilt, like when I'm in my hotel room or in my Airbnb or in my hostel or whatever, and I'm working and I'm looking outside and I'm like, I should be out there exploring. I should be making the most of every minute that I'm here. Mm -hmm. And then I close the laptop, I go out. And I'm thinking about my work and I'm thinking, oh, I need to email that person. Oh, I need to finish up this project, you know? And so it, it's like, I can't quite be present. I, I struggle a little bit with being present and fully focused on my work. Um, it's not that bad, but I notice it. Yeah. So, you know, what I do is I have days where I get up and I work for a couple hours, make sure everything is um, okay with my work. Mm -hmm. Then I go out and um, then I come home in the evening and do another couple hours of work. Um, and then I have days where, you know, I'll have like one or two days where I do no work and I'm just out traveling and sightseeing. Nice. And then I'll um, have a couple of days where all I'm doing is working. Mm -hmm. And that seems to work out pretty well. And I, I check the forecast. Yes. <laughs> and try to align my work. Forecast. Exactly. If it's raining, <laughs> inside work. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, that's such a great. And, oh, and sorry, go ahead. Time zone. Oh, time yes. Because you, you know, sometimes I think, where am I? What time zone am I, am I in? <laughs> Just to make sure that you don't miss anything. Like today, I got back um, and I opened up my laptop. I was out for a while. I got, opened up my laptop and a, a note popped up that I was meeting with you. And I was like, wait a minute. I thought that was in two hours oh, and I don't yeah. know why somehow it popped up on my calendar early. So yeah. I have to double check everything. <laughs> well, that's a good point that sometimes, you know, we we're so reliant on technology and for it being right that um, it seems like you'd have to almost be on heightened alert and, and be double checking and making sure, okay, I, uh, this is the right time to be where I am because there's also like, you know, we have that, what do we have a seven hour difference or seven and a half hours, something like mm -hmm. that. But, you know, it's like the bigger the numbers get and even confusion about like, okay, so it's um, Thursday here. But in some places in the world, it's already Friday. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's almost like you've got to be really aware and almost over communicate and double and clarify. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, again, that's like this other source of stress. I feel like the first question that I ask people is what time zone will you be in? Yes. Because um, the people I work with are also traveling. Yes. And so, Good um, point. you know, I'm always clarifying what, and I've had some meetings where it just, you know, we just get the time zones wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just happens. I just expect that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I, 
you know, I think for anyone who's thinking about be, being location independent, go for it. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. But be realistic about how much you can do. Mm-hmm. I don't work full time when I am workationing. Um, I know that's, you know, not realistic. And so I think ahead about what projects I can work on. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very good about that. Now. I know exactly how much work I can do. Um, you know, set up a schedule mm-hmm. so that you have some sort of a rhythm to your days and just be present when you're working work and when you're out stop thinking about your work nice and enjoy it yeah i love that being present well that being present piece came up for me when you were talking about when we were conversing about the social media aspect um you know to to be aware of wanting to share what's happening and staying connected but also being cognizant that you might be missing out on what's happening right in front of you Mm -hmm. like you're only experiencing the the country through your iphone yes yeah (laughs) instead of just like looking out the window and seeing it directly um that's maybe a whole nother topic but just in that spirit of you know being very intentional about you know what what is going to set me up to be the most present i can be for whatever it is that i need to do whether that's playing or working yes absolutely and you know a lot of people think i'm on vacation a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get these comments, you know, where people are like, oh, I, I don't want to bother you during your vacation. And I'm like, I'm not on vacation. Mm-hmm. I only vacation like two weeks out of the year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not working as much when I'm traveling as I, as, and I work more when I'm at home to make up for, yeah. you know, not working full time when I'm traveling. But there's this perception that because I'm abroad or, or I'm not at home, that I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. And, so, um, and so sometimes I'm a little hesitant about what I share on social media. I don't want to just perpetuate that. Yeah. Good but point. I also, why do I, I wouldn't share a picture of like my laptop, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, really, I'm working. See this? Hard work. Right. <laughs> I have proof. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great point because uh, yeah, people will get this perception like, oh, she's you know, what is she doing? She's always traveling, doesn't she work? Right. And you know, sort of the advantage that you have that someone else might not is that your business is clearly about travel, and you know, the global community, you know, the small planet that we live on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I liken that to to mine, like where I can sort of play the introvert card. <laughs> Because that's my business. And so to, I can easily say, well, you know, it's, it's time for me to go. I need to go introvert. And it's, it's almost humorous. It's, it's not a surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I yeah. kind of see a little parallel there. <laughs> I, it, it's very intentional. Every job I've ever had has been focused on um, travel. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I have known since um, I was very, very young that um, it was always going to everything that I've done professionally has been, a, you know, an excuse for me to go abroad. Nice. And it just happens that I like my work too. So that's good. Yeah. Bonus. Well, I can hear the smile in your mm-hmm. voice. So I know, <laughs> I know how true that is. Well, the final question I want to ask you again, is maybe, you know, shifting gears just a little bit, but I think your expertise would be valuable as we are becoming a smaller planet in so many ways. What in your experience is most important to remember when you're working with and in other cultures? The biggest thing is to be curious. Mm. You know, we always talk about reserving judgment and not making assumptions, which is really, really important. Mm-hmm. But the second part of that is to be curious and observe. Mm-hmm. So I think the more curious you are, the more you'll observe and the more naturally you will reserve judgment. And, um, and the more you're, you're likely to find out more information about a situation. Yeah. And that will help you 
determine whether the differences that you're seeing are really different mm. and whether the similarities that we think we're seeing are actually similar. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, being curious applies to every situation and every place in the world. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This has been a fun conversation as well as informative. And, and I hope anyone listening feels inspired, um, especially if you're thinking about being more location independent and or, you know, traveling more, you know, the two, th the two things don't, you can, you know, have a home base, um, but just have this desire to travel more and how can you start to integrate that more into your life. So this has been um, useful on many dimensions. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, it's nice um, to talk about this. It's always fun to talk with you, too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Same here. Um, I want to wrap up with the question that I ask all my guests. And maybe you can tell me where, based on your global um, experiences, where Introvert Island might be best located. Um, but if you were granted a three-week vacation on Introvert Island and you could only take three books with you, what would you take with you and why? I would take um, anything by Margaret Atwood because I just love any any book she writes. Mm -hmm. I would take my journal because yeah. I always have at least one journal on me. And then um, I would either take something in German uh, just, you know, for something different and for a challenge, mm -hmm. or I would take a cookbook. I really, I'm not <laughs> sure which one. So I probably would take a German cookbook and then that just covers all <laughs> there my you go. Yeah. We'll have to make sure Introvert Island has a well-equipped kitchen and, uh, you know, a stock of food so that uh, yes. you can experiment while you're there. In a warm place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always picture Introvert Island warm. And, and and it's like, I have to remind myself, not all islands are warm, right? Right. I'm on an island right now. Definitely not yes. warm. <laughs> it's definitely not warm. Well, with ice in the title, you know that, that you're in for something like that. Yes. <laughs> um, so what is the best way for people to connect with you and to learn more about Small Planet Studio. And I especially know that you are um, excited about a particular project that you're working on called the Reentry Workbook. Tell us more about how we can connect and especially about the, the workbook project. Yeah, well, so my website is smallplanetstudio.com. And I also have a Facebook group called Reentry Relaunchers Unite. Mm. So you can just um, search for Reentry Relaunchers Unite on Facebook and you'll find us. We just started. Awesome. And um, I, I do have a workbook um, that you mentioned. I've been working on this uh, for a couple of years and I've been testing it out and getting feedback. And I'm so excited to get this out on a, on a larger scale this fall. It's called the Reentry Relaunch Roadmap. Mm -hmm. And it is full of questions, reflection questions and activities and I mean, also a roadmap. You create your own relaunch roadmap. Nice. So it's creative. There's some coloring involved, Ooh. and uh, <laughs> and it's fun. It's I'd say it's creative. It's fun. It's reflective. And so far, I'm thrilled that I'm getting really, really good feedback from people. They're saying that it's it's really helping them dig deep, and um, and it asks them questions, asks them to think about things that they hadn't mm -hmm. thought to think about. <laughs> So, I love it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. And uh, it will be on Amazon in the fall of 2016. Great. And if somebody wants to be notified of that, do you have a newsletter that they can sign up for and kind of stay in touch? Yeah, actually, if you go to smallplanetstudio.com, you can download um, 19 pages of the workbook. 
and Ooh. you can try it out. And then I'll, you'll be on my list, and you'll be the first to know when it's ready to, for purchase. Excellent. Well, I haven't seen it yet, of course, but um, I know from seeing other pieces that you have produced that, um, yeah, it's guaranteed to be fun. You always have such a creative and engaging way of putting information down on paper and making it making it something where you're like, this is not a chore. <laughs> this is something that I'm actually looking forward to doing. And that stretches my creativity as well as my reflection capacity. Oh, well, thank you. So, That's exactly um, what I'm going for. So I'm glad to hear that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kate. Um, like I said, it's been a great pleasure. And um, definitely, I'll be including information about how people can reach you and your introvert island book selections um, in the podcast show notes on my website. So um, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great talking with you. Kate is one of several people who has helped me to expand my thinking about what's possible when it comes to having a life that includes both travel and work. I remember at one time, not too long ago, when the idea of even taking two weeks off in a row was completely foreign. Then I started to get my head around the concept of sabbaticals, but it wasn't until I met people like Kate and past podcast guests and world travelers, Betsy and Warren Talbot, that I really understood that freedom and work were not mutually exclusive. This conversation has inspired me to be really intentional moving forward about creating a more flexible, location-independent business. And if that's of interest to you, I hope you found inspiration in this as well. And I'll definitely, again, be putting links to Kate's work as well as that of Betsy and Warren Talbot in the podcast show notes. A few quick reminders. If you're a listener in the Chicago area and want to connect with me and my friend Dave Stahoviak at The Bean on July 7th, visit his website at coachingforleaders.com slash Chicago for the details. And you'll also find more information about Kate in the episode show notes, as well as updates about my book, coaching services, upcoming virtual book groups, and masterminds forming in the coming months, all at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. A special and sincere thank you to Carl, who wrote to remind me that I don't need to say backslash when sharing a web address. Slash is sufficient, he shared. Thank you very much, Carl, for that very kind correction. I mean that sincerely. I imagine to some that hearing me say backslash is like fingernails on a chalkboard. So we're all fortunate to have been spared that fate in future episodes. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your friends, family, and colleagues, and to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or on whichever platform you access it from. Your review helps others to discover this podcast, so I really appreciate it and thank you so much in advance for your consideration. Another and final special thanks to my wonderful podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my fabulous assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes, and for you for spending this time with me. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. Thank you.